Hi, I'm Elise Kennedy. Uh, welcome to Jarden's Startup Tech Series, where we host entrepreneurs, venture funds, and technology companies on trends across the industry. I'm delighted today to be joined by John Winters, the CEO and founder of an exciting fintech disruptor, Superhero. So, John, it's it's great to have you on the podcast today. So, I'm keen to hear a bit more about uh, the company and, and where did it start? Yeah, fantastic. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. Um, where did we start? Well, it's interesting. Uh, this week is actually our third birthday. So, believe it or not. Um, birthday. Yeah, thank you. Um, we, for, for most people in the market, they will have only uh, have known about Superhero for about the last six months or so. So it's been quite a journey over the last three years. Um, but, but we started out as a, we actually started the business with the, the hope of becoming an APRA regulated super fund. Interesting. Hence, hence the name Superhero. And the key mission behind the, the business was to create a super fund that gave all members Firstly, transparency, so full transparency on exactly where your super is invested, but also full control over how and where it's invested as well. And, you know, we did a lot of research and saw that the the most engagement people have with their superannuation is typically people with a self-managed super fund. But mm, yeah. uh, 99% of people, you know, it's that top 1% have the SMSF. It's 99% of people have no access or no ability to, to have those in that that sort of control or that level of transparency over the super, and therefore people just don't engage. Um, mm. So that was that was where we started. That was the whole sort of, you know, where 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 that the the concept came from. Yeah, and then who are you thinking about? Are those target customers? So is it all your retail guys again, or is it that X that one percent? Is it? Yeah. Everybody? So look, I I think well right now. So so maybe just to 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 keep going on on the you know where we came from story and, yeah. and it sort of leads into our, our target audience we spent three years you know building building a platform um we we pretty quickly realized that if we were to partner with someone uh in the industry and there's there's a number of big and very successful investment platforms out there but for us to to build our own business we needed to own all of our own tech in-house mm-hmm. And there were there were some roadblocks along the way some some points where we needed to make some pretty difficult decisions and it was, you know, really highlighted by, by the um, pandemic when that hit in March last year, where we had limited runway in terms of funding. And we made a decision to, to basically peel back all of that superannuation overlay and launch the key product, which was ultimately a share trading platform. Yeah. And we saw very quickly at the, the start of the pandemic, this huge movement of uh, new time investors who were typically in the millennial age bracket move into equity markets to for, for a range of reasons, but one of the key reasons was to supplement uh, income that they may that they may have lost uh, by losing their jobs or you know having less work hours um, due to the pandemic. So yeah. it took about six months. We pe- peeled back all of that sort of regulatory overlay that that you have in superannuation and launched the, the share trading platform to Australian investors. With a yep. skew towards towards millennials. Yeah, yeah, and we're seeing a lot of disruption in that millennial space as a, as a customer cohort. Um, yeah. And perhaps you can talk to the the revenue pricing model because you know you've got five dollar trades, ETFs are free. How do you make your money? <laughs> yeah, good question. So, so it sort of it sort of leads back to the structures that that you have in superannuation. So, 
So, and, and this is really our, our sort of key piece of proprietary tech that we've built. So if you've got, and it would be, it would be a similar sort of setup to, to you know, a number of the, the, the people on this call, the way that, that funds run, um, where you've got a single custodian in the background that holds all the assets. And what we're able to do is place investors' trades directly into the market. So we've got best execution. We all, you know, we all get our order put into the market within milliseconds. You all get your individual unique price and you are issued with a contract note. What we then do is instead of settling each individual trade to an individual HIN, which is the traditional model, which has been around for 30 years and has never changed, we use a custody structure. So all the stock sits on, on chess. Mm-hmm. Um, it sits like a, a traditional custodian. But what we do is we settle all of the shares in bulk for the purposes of settlement. Mm-hmm. And then our tech runs all of the individual holdings for every investor. So it is no, it is no different to how a, a Comsec or a, a NAB trade or Selfwealth would work with an individual HIN. Yeah. At the end of the day, Chess is a sub-register system. Yeah. So we've, we've brought in, in-house our own sub-register system, uh, which sits on Chess. Mm-hmm. So by, by consolidating all of those transactions into, into one at the end of the day, it means every investor gets their unique price, yeah. but we only pay one Chess settlement fee. Mm. So now to put that into context around how we make money at $5 a trade, because a lot of people go... How do you make money at five dollars a trade when CBA is doing it for twenty? And it was a it was a great um, uh, talking point through through um, you know a number of investor meetings we've had over the last couple of months. If I buy Zip this morning, you buy Zip in the afternoon, and Rachel buys Zip at, at lunchtime, we've we've charged three sets of five dollars. We've generated five dollars, mm-hmm. and we settle one contract note, for lack of a better word with chess and we get charged once. So that contract note might cost, let's just say for argument's sake, that costs us $5. Mm-hmm. We've made $15 revenue. We've made $10 gross margin. Yeah. So what it does, it's really interesting, is as our business scales, mm. our gross margin continues to increase, which is quite unique in this space because as, as you scale a business in financial services, typically you give volume-based discounts. That's one of the key differentiators with us is at scale, our gross margin continues to increase where our suppliers, their gross margin continues to decrease. And we know that because we get volume-based discounts as we grow. Yeah, fantastic. We always like a business that continue to uh, grow with that operating leverage, especially because you're such at an early stage at the moment. Um, so, yeah, that's a, a bit different to some of your fintech peers um, and great to hear. Mm. Um, so thinking about, again, sizing the market opportunity in the industry as a whole, is there a way that we can think about who is your target market? Do you have, you know, your TAM numbers that we always talk about in tech? And, and how do we think about the growth of that? Is it more just about taking share or is the market as a whole growing? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question and it's one that, not a lot of people fully appreciate in this in this market. There, there's obviously a, a, a high value market in Australia, particularly if we only look at at, at, at ASX listed shares. Um, and then there's there's US and, and other and other markets, other assets that that we could add on in time. Um, but if you look at the at the current market, I see the current market as ripe for disruption. 
mm-hmm. whether whether you're looking at, at you know one of the big banks or or the traditional brokers if we put them into a basket there hasn't been a lot of technological advancement in their systems there hasn't been a lot of new age user experience and and ui design that's come in and i feel like it it is a it is a turning point in many respects like what we saw with the taxi industry when ride sharing became became a thing so you're using a very traditional model where you can call you can call the the cab company and you can get a car outside your door to go to the airport or you can use your phone and a really great user experience and get it out the door in in 5 minutes and yeah. you know i challenge i challenge everyone on the call you probably don't know what the difference is between a cab cost and a and an uber charge i i, I don't um, it's just not. It's just not something that. It's just not something that you like that. I really think about. It's more about the convenience factor. Yes, and exactly. that has been one of the major, the major sort of selling points for us since we launched is we're delivering a traditional style uh, product in a in a very sort of new age way. So it's that user experience which is really key. We cement that relationship being the cheapest in the market though. Mm, yeah, and and you did just kind of mention about other markets, and Australia is where you are now. But when we just even think about other markets, does this what you're doing here is that applicable to other markets? Yeah, absolutely. So when you say what we're doing here in terms of our business model, or- yeah, is it or is it material changes, or is this a, a scalable global platform? Yeah, so it's again. A- Great question. I think the the benefit that we have is we've built we've built superhero digital first. So yeah. we're migrating uh, legacy systems. We are building everything from scratch in in the digital world. And what what's been really great working with with Wayne Baskin, my my co-founder, and, and a number of you may know of him. He's the deputy CEO and CTO of Booktopia as well. Um, which means he's he's time poor, <laughs> um, but but what but what he's done is he brought this e-commerce thinking, and e-commerce is all about. I mean, you can you can look him up on YouTube. He gives forty-five minute lectures on 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 user experience and conversion. And if you think about e-commerce, it's it's fractions of a second in page load speed yeah. that increase conversion. And it, so so what he's done is taken a very non-financial view of everything in financial services mm-hmm. um, to, to help us build out this platform. And it allowed, it has allowed us to build something that allows us to do multi-product, multi-asset, multi-currency, all, mm-hmm. with on one, all on one platform. So we don't have one thing doing this, one thing doing that. And it means that we, we've, we've actually just... just um, been approved for for superannuation so we've got an apple re- regulated retail super fund which is where we started so it's taken three years to get there um and it'll launch in the coming weeks um we we've got that running on the same platform yeah so same. it'll uh, we we will shortly offer us us securities which mm-hmm. will again will to run on the same platform and will allow people to fund their account in real time to move from aussie dollars to us dollars in real time and and you know get into foreign markets in a matter of minutes um, you know from from the point of sign up um, while meeting all the, all of the AML requirements and, and everything that goes with it. So it's 
it's that technology that really allows us to scale mm-hmm. and we can replicate the model in foreign jurisdictions. We can add new markets on. Um, there's not a huge amount of tech work to be done to enable new markets. Um, it's more the commercial agreements that we need to go and strike with with yeah. parties or partners in, in, in those other markets. Yeah, yeah. And perhaps you can talk about the competitive landscape and we'll start and just think about domestically because um, there's a lot of opportunities, it sounds as though, globally to expand the platform and the product suite that's on there at the moment. But if we just think about where the core is today, how do we yeah. think about the competitive landscape there? Yeah, so one of the interesting things about Superhero is we've only got individual investors on the platform at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so we don't have companies trust SMSS. And if you look across the Australian landscape, your your traditional investor mm-hmm. will use a, a tax more tax efficient structure than their, their personal name. Yeah. Um, which which I guess from from in some respects puts us at a disadvantage, but also gives us a massive opportunity ahead of us when we do add those account types in. And and I can go into some of the reasons why we don't have that, that live yet um, after. But the competitive landscape in Australia, I think, I think you've really got these, you've got these incumbents who have have migrated from legacy systems to to you know from chalkboards to you know desktop, you know the big screens to to online share trading in the '90s, which which was dominated by Comsec, and and, mm. and you know, the market still is dominated by Comsec. But we did some we did some market research just before we launched and it was really we, we went back and looked at cached versions of, of Comsex website and it was it was fascinating to see the evolution over time um, and it really has been a product that's come from a spreadsheet moving on to website and then evolving where no one has really sort of taken that new new age UX look at things so I think from a competitive landscape there's there's, there's a huge market in Australia. Mm. Um, you know, we can build a, a very large business just doing ASX share trading. Um, there, it's, it is a high value market. People typically understand Aussie equities. Mm. They do feel that there's a level of safety versus foreign shares as well. Um, and, and it's probably just a knowledge gap. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I'd say, you know, there's there's eighty percent of self-managed super fund assets are invested in ASX listed shares, yeah. and I would say what is invested in, say, US shares, would be concentrated probably to the top five or ten US tech stocks, the big tech stocks being, yeah. you know, Apple, Amazon. You know, it's, yeah. it's what people know is what they invest in. Yeah. Um, so I think in Australia there there is a huge there is a there's a huge market, and I don't feel like competition here is extremely high yes because you've had these traditional players who have just had easy wins the whole way along and no one's really come in and disrupted Mm, which is the perfect playbook um for yourselves Mm. and if we think then about you know your barriers to entry you've got a proprietary software now how hard is it for somebody else to come in uh who isn't in the market today uh and and see the opportunity that you have I think there's low barriers to entry to traditional share trading. Mm-hmm. Um, you could you could pull together a website and start offering Aussie shares through you know a third party market participant trading onto a HIN relatively easily. I think the lowest cost you would be able to get it to would be you know 
$10 maybe, there's the, those benefits of scale that the likes of self-wealth have built into their platform. Yeah. But they don't own the underlying tech. And if you look at, mm. I don't want to sort of put anyone down or, you know, knock our competitors, but if you do look at the likes of self-wealth, they trade through open markets as well, but all of their back-end tech is actually open markets. So when you set up an account with them, your data flows through to open markets and they set up your account and they set up and manage your in for you. So it's not actually held with you. It's a marketing platform effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, so for someone to come to my, and, and just on the business model or the barriers to entry, that's why we are looking to diversify the business model. We are going mm-hmm. into superannuation. That's taken three years of, you know, a lot of regulatory work that's been done in-house in coordinating with external trustees, member administrators, you know, working with APRA to get the product to a point. And, and you know, while there's a lot of red tape in Australia, that is a major barrier to entry for the next guy. Yeah. So it's taken us three years. You know, good luck to the next person. Um, I think we are sort of streets ahead. Um, but then looking at looking at foreign markets as well, I think there's there's an opportunity there because you haven't really seen a share trading platform offer Aussie shares and US shares side by side seamlessly before. Mm. So yes, you can buy US shares through Comsec, but you know you're spending five days to get your Aussie dollars moved over to US. You're beholden to the bank's FX rates. It's clunky. But then you look at some of the companies like Stake who, who have built a, a pure play US trading platform, and that, that's a great business. Yeah. And, you know, I think that they will, they'll, um, you know, they're probably leading the pack in terms of the user experience around US, but yeah. no one's brought Aussie and US together. Yeah. And yeah. I think that is, there's a first mover advantage there. People do want to have, one view of their finances, mm-hmm. not have bits and pieces there, bits and pieces there. So there, there are there are barriers to entry and doing that as well. Yeah, and that comes back to our tech as well. Being able to have multi-asset, multi-currency, all within one platform mm. is is something that you know our, our competitors just don't have. Yeah, and always effectively paying a bit of bit of catch up because you have already been building this for for a number of years now. Yeah. Um, thinking about the regulation side, because that always is a challenge when it comes to a fintech, um, and it sounds like that is a, a part of a, a benefit on, um, you know, being a barrier to entry. But at the same time, are there any restrictions to signing up a customer? How do you think about the regulatory environment of APRA and ASIC and, you know, tapping into that retail client? If you could talk around that side, it would be great. Yeah, so we've got... Very fortunate to have Nick Molnar from Afterpay and, and Larry Diamond from Zip as investors in in our businesses. And you know, I've known I've known Larry for a long time, and Wayne's very good friends with with Nick as well. So we followed the journey of those companies, and you know, they they are you know they're superstars in Aussie tech now. Um, but there's been there's been some bumps in the road for them, and mm. and they've they've worked through them, and and uh, have been. You know, very successful in working through those. We've seen those as major learning points for us, mm. um, and it starts with it starts with the onboarding process of a customer, and it starts with AML. So, AML ID verification is a massive piece for us. Um, there's obviously Austrac uh, regulations and, and requirements that we have, um, but as you move through that, you then 
deal with ASIC on the on the investment side. Yeah, keeping co- and their and their key focus is keeping um, investors' assets safe, uh, yes. making sure that they're that they're they're being you know treated fairly from a from an investment point of view, and the overlay that we have from a regulatory point of view is significantly higher than mm. any other share trading platform in, in in Australia, and that's due to the fact that not only do we trade shares for people and we execute trades and we issue contract notes the back end of the platform is all custody and we've brought the custody piece in house so we've had yeah. to we've had to employ custody teams to to run that process and a lot of it's tech driven so we've been able to automate a lot and and um, automate the controls and then we have you know people overseeing those controls and ensuring reconciliations are, are correct of things but that adds a huge amount of regulatory overlay. We have to have regulatory capital in the business. Where if you had a you know a traditional broker who went and signed up individual hints for every customer, that goes away. All of that regulation falls back on the market participant, mm-hmm. and it's it's then you know they you know they sort of wash their hands of it. So the regular the regulatory. Um, overlay and regulatory risk really sits on on superhero and it's it's a major part of our business day to day in in managing that and then um just thinking about the the economics of the business because always you've got a high growth company a lot of startup costs what is the biggest input cost and how can we think about the drivers of of the business yeah so i think Undoubtedly, the highest cost of the business at the moment would be would be marketing. It's customer acquisition. Yeah. yeah. Um, there is an opportunity in Australia to to acquire a lot of customers, and while I, I did say I don't feel competition is fierce here, it is heating up, mm-hmm. and we, we are really leading that um, through through some of our marketing uh, activities. Apart from that, the costs move with our scale mm-hmm. um so so you know one of the the, the you know cost of goods if we look at at trading is obviously the settlement of those transactions um but as we scale our gross margin increases at such a significant rate that it it, it doesn't have a, a massive impact on on the business as as we move up um and i think over time you know going back to the marketing piece i think over time while we do need to stay front of mind and, and relevant, that does start to drop as a um, at, at a CAC level, and yeah. it, it does start to sort of decrease at an overall level. Yeah, maybe you can talk about what you've seen. And it's still very early days around the churn because you know if you are spending all these customers, but you're getting this lifetime value of them. Can you mm. talk to any of those payback periods or, or churn numbers? Yeah, so churn is it's probably too early to really go yeah. into churn numbers um, to get a good grasp of, of what that looks like. Um, in terms of payback, we're not just super focused on on that as a number. Our average uh, CPA is is sort of sitting around around about the fifty dollar mark, which I think from an industry point of view is is pretty low. So I mean, you can work it out. We charge five dollars a trade. You can work yeah. out how quickly yeah. it is. <laughs> but again, that's that's why we are looking to diversify the business model. Yeah, and okay. and and just on that, you know, you look at you look at stake. It's an individual business running US. Mm. You know, we're basically adding that on to our business model. Yeah. If you look at super, if you look at one of our competitors, say 
spaceship as an example, um, you know, while there is significant product differentiation there, it's an entire business in its own right that sits on top. So you sort of build these blocks of revenue that don't increase your your uh, cost of acquisition significantly, and it's all on one it's all on one platform. So you know, I think I think as we grow, those those costs do start to to come down. Yeah. Fantastic. Now, conscious of time, um, strategies for growth. We talked about the different platforms, the different um, being able to go globally. When we think about M and A, is that something you need to think about? And we ask all businesses this question. Yeah, I think for the right thing at the right time, absolutely. Um, we we have done uh, due diligence on a number of companies over the last three years um, to look at, you know, how we launch, how we get ahead, how we how we build a beachhead at, at low cost. I guess the the real driver for us um, looking into M and A would really be around customer acquisition, and then you've got to weigh up what your 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 cost of acquisition is versus yeah. acquiring another business, because ultimately we would we wouldn't buy another business certainly at this stage for their technology. Mm-hmm. Um, there and there have been discussions with with some of our major competitors in in different markets around how you know they would love to use our tech um yeah. so yeah i mean i'm all, i'm always open to to the, you know op- an opportunity it's got to obviously tick a number of boxes around around price and what the actual underlying benefit is to the business yeah but you don't need it for the sake but by the sounds of it, a lot of exciting growth just in the business on its own at the moment so conscious of yeah. time and very appreciative john winters again from superhero for your time for all of those that were on the line look there's a lot more detail we can go in and it's a few slide presentations so we will reach out and provide those details uh, for those that are interested and uh, keen to hear a bit more so thank you once again john for your time and we look forward to uh, seeing pleasure. the journey. Thanks for having me on again. And uh, thanks, everyone, for, for listening in.